So um, I've been working with the Lord on struggling with him a little bit about prayer. I, I think that a lot of us have a, um, um, a good idea what God is asking for in prayer. But some of us may not, you know, why do we pray? So if you put up Genesis um, 4, 5, or 25, 16, so Adam had sexual relations with his wife again, and she gave birth to another son. She named him Seth, and she said, God has granted me another son. Uh, now we're in the NLT. Can we have the NIV, please? There we go. Adam made love to his wife again, and she gave birth to a son and named him Seth, saying, God has granted me another child in place of Abel, since Cain had killed him. This is a different NIV than I have. <laughs> go ahead and roll to the next one. Uh, Seth also had a son he named him Enosh. At, the time, people, at that time, people began to call on the name of the Lord. So, um, God and man were separated. They're separated from each other through the sin that basically tore us apart. But God still wanted to father his children, and he had a plan for us. And we wanted to walk and talk in the cool evening with him still, but because sin had separated us, we needed to find another way that we could actually commune with God. So prayer is what developed. And it was shortly after the fall of man. So one thing that set us apart from one another is just that. We were the only people that called on the name of the Lord. There were a lot of people out there that you know, had different gods and stuff, but we called on the one true God. Throughout the story of uh, um, God and man, the ability to succeed was in that simple fact that we would call on him, that we would actually believe that he would answer us. So I found 22 times in the Old Testament where we found this. God is wanting us to lean on him and nothing else. No other gods, no little idols, no, no nothing at all. So God promised to bless his people. To, uh, let's see. God has promised to bless the people who called out to him and favor that rests on his people is what other people had seen. They feared us because we had a God that would answer, a God that answered our prayers. You put on Deuteronomy um, 28, 7, 10. So the Lord will grant that the enemies who rise up against you will be defeated before you. They will come to you from one direction and flee in seven. So the Lord will send a blessing on your, your barns and on everything you put into your hands. The Lord, your God, will bless you in the land that he has given you. One more. 
then all the people of the earth, <laughs> then all the people of the earth will see you are called by the name of the Lord, and they will fear you. So he makes it pretty clear. He makes it very simple for us that he's going to bless us. But we have to believe that he's listening. We have to believe every time that we pray that he hears us, that he wants to hear us, that he enjoys hearing us, and he set up the whole system so that he could hear us. This isn't by accident. This is by design. We have to uh, understand that protection and provision, all protection and all provision, and a successful life, blessed by God, is what he's promised, if. But he's put an if in there. If we keep his laws and call on him. So why don't we go to Psalms 50, 15. And call on me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you will honor me. So, what do we mean by that? That we will honor him. Are we honoring him? We're honoring him just by calling on him. That is what he is asking us to do. Yes, we're thankful. Yes, we're you know appreciative. Yes, we should come humble before him. But, God has always wanted us to honor him. And he honors us by hearing us, making sure we know it. Um, no matter no matter what, <clears throat> no matter what, when we call on him and prayers are answered, we should be thankful. All people around us should understand we are the special people. We are the chosen. People see the favor in our lives and want to know what's different about us. What can they do differently to have this favor on their life? To have this joy and peace no matter what happens? Uh, we're going to be just fine because we know that the Lord has us. So many people out there are, are out there thinking that they have to fend the world off by themselves. The world is eating them up, spitting them out. They have no idea where to turn. They may think that they know how to pray. They may think that, well, you know, I'll say a foxhole prayer or whatever it is that they, you know, call a prayer. But are they getting to know the Lord? Are they really standing and concentrating on who God really is and what he says in his word? His word is amazing. His, his word has promises that we haven't even dug into. They are so deep and they are so true and they are so... Perfect. So, as believers, we're the ones that have to stand in the gap. We're the ones that God wants to help his people find their way to him. So each and every one of us has this, uh, uh, this job, right? No one's better than the, than the next person. There's not one person here that um, understands God better than the next. Maybe we have a different relationship. But if we go ahead and dig in and pray, we know that he hears us. That's the biggest thing. 
We as believers know that the gap between God and us has been bridged. Jesus prayed the prayer of inclusion, joining us together forever one more time. So that prayer that Jesus prays in John 17, 20, would you mind putting that up? Is absolutely, uh, we're going to go through uh, 20 through 26, but uh, it's the inclusionary prayer that Jesus prays to make sure that we know that we are his, that we are special, that he has us. My prayer is not only for you, or not only for them alone, I pray also for those who believe in me through their message. He's talking about the, um, the, the 12 disciples that have been sent out, but he wanted us to be part of that too. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I gave, or I have given them the glory that you have given me, that they will, may be one as we are one. I and them, you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you have sent me and have, loved, and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those who you have given me to be with me where I am, to see my glory, the glory that you have given me, because you have loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them, and will continue, uh, continue to make you known to them in order that the love you have sent for me may be in them and I myself may be in them. This is all about Jesus wanting to be united back to us. This is the restoration. This is the prayer of restoration that has united us once and again with the Lord Almighty. We walk and talk with the God in the garden now. You know, what we lost originally has been redeemed in this moment. We don't know um, how powerful this prayer is until we really break it down and we really love it. The unity of Jesus, this, this unity, um, it's reuniting us. And it feels so good, huh? <laughs> So Jesus, and his spirit in us, that's what this is all about. All of our connection with, with God again. And, and what does that mean? It means, did Jesus' prayer matter? Does our prayer matter? I believe it does. So God, God has brought us back to be able to walk and talk with him. Anytime we want... Uh, he solves our problems for us because he solved our problem for us because we couldn't do it. We couldn't find our way back to God. So he did it for us. He did everything we needed to do to bring us back into unity. There was nothing we did, nothing we could have done. There's nothing we could possibly do. We could never be righteous enough to do this. There's not one, one, not one. So... <clears throat> My question is, why are we not in constant conversation with them now that we can be? 
so many of us have um, we have every excuse in the world why we don't. You know, some of us pray um, more than others. Some of us feel comfortable praying, and some of us don't. I didn't even know what prayer was like until I was born again. I had no idea. I thought it was a bunch of mumbo jumbo that nobody even paid attention to, and let alone a God that could hear us. So, <clears throat> you know, as we uh, go through prayer, well, a lot of times we, you know, we get busy right away. We get, you know, we decide we're going to spend some time and talk to God, and how many times do we forget what we were going to pray for or we just move on to something else because it, life got busy, you know. It's just every one of us has... Um, excuses why we don't spend more time in prayer. Prayer is our weapon. Prayer is the only thing that we have. There's nothing out here that will help us in this world besides prayer. So I ask you, um, some of us spend more time and some of us feel comfortable We find ourselves a long way from God sometimes. I know I do. And I don't know how to um, just push through it sometimes. And I just don't pray. So I stop right there. You know, it's... Um, when I do, I know it's the evil one. I know that he's just pushing buttons. You know, sin trying to keep me from uh, being joined with God again. We need just to turn back to Jesus just for one moment and know that he's connected us forever. There is nothing that we could do that's going to separate us from him. doesn't matter what we get reminded of, of things in our past or you know, stupid things that we may have fallen into or whatever. God has joined us forever. There is no question about it. He bridges the gap. God hears us. So... We have to push past what uh, you know is going on inside of uh, our heads to get us out of it. And once we get ourselves out of the way, boy, you can have pretty good uh, uh, you can have pretty good conversation with the Lord. Just talk to Him. It doesn't mean that you have to have some you know fancy words or anything. You just talk to Him like you talk to your kid, talk to your dad, talk to your your mother. He cares about it. He loves us. And if we remember that at all times, there's no way in the world that we can be intimidated by that conversation. That conversation should be home. That conversation should be right where we belong. But have you ever tried to set that time apart and you know get that quiet place, the prayer room, whatever you want to call it, and do some intentional prayer, praying? So I think there's a lot of people here that pray and intentionally pray. So a lot of times, as soon as I get settled in and I think I'm going to have a little bit of time for myself, I immediately start remembering something from work. Oh, i got to do that. Or i, I got to make this phone call or that email showed up and I didn't answer it. And there's always a distraction. Oh, my wife called and I didn't call her back. i got to take care of some things at, at home when I get home. These things are all just 
distractions. And it's amazing how many times that they show up right at the wrong moment. Or is it the right moment? Where are they coming from? So we need to just make sure that when they show up, maybe we just ask the Lord to clear our heads so that we can pray for them, pray through these areas. Shut our minds up. And uh, we need to push through these distractions and just talk to our Father. The devil isn't scared of you hearing another sermon. He does, he's, you come today and you hear me. It's, he's not scared of that. He's not scared of you singing a, another song. What you, Joe? Even though we love to do these things, he's not scared of it. He's not scared of us attending another coffee hour or, or a meeting. You know what he's scared of? He's scared of us praying. He's scared of us actually... He's scared to death of having us know that we have a relationship with God. So this relationship that he's so afraid of, if it comes out of our mouth, it is out of our heart. If we speak the words out of our heart, out of our mouth, while we're talking to God... He knows that we believe these things. The truth that we hold, too, is what flows from our mouth. So, that's when we realize whether or not we are a son or a daughter. Are we truly believing what the Bible says? As we pray and we know that we are sons and daughters, when I pray, I, I'm so thankful that I'm a son. I'm so thankful that he's forgiven me and he's brought me back into the family even though I was so far away. I was so far away. And he didn't bat an eye. He didn't care one bit. All he cared about was I wanted to talk to him one more time, that I wanted to turn to him, that I wanted to spend time with him. That was more important than anything that I could find. There was more truth in there than I ever found. So, prayer matters. Prayer matters in this church. Prayer matters on the day of Pentecost. So everybody was up in the you know upper room, right? Everybody was just sitting up in the upper room praying, and Lord, what do you have for us? We don't understand this. They didn't understand what God had for them or anything. And boom, the Holy Spirit changes everything. Nothing, nothing was the same since that moment. The world has been changed forever from that moment. What brought it about? Well, God wanted to bring it about, but it was prayer. Prayer initiated it. Prayer matters. So Pastor Margaret's been talking about uh, revival for the past couple of weeks. I, I wasn't here Sunday, so I don't know if she can continue talking about those things. But uh, I do a lot of reading. I read all the time. So one of the big things that I like to do is read about the revivals because usually the world is uh, in a messed up place, kind of like it is now. <laughs> so the world's in a messed up place and, and God shows up and changes it. So I lo love reading about those things because I want to see the world changed. I want to see the the 
Diamond, Oklahoma area changed. I want to see Oklahoma changed. I want to see my home state of Iowa changed. I want to see the world changed. So one of the, one of the big things that uh, um, she's been talking about is, and she's been, she's been in a revival, so she's actually seen it, and she knows what it feels like, and the presence just absolutely loads up the church and changes things. That's what I want to see. So what, I, what started all of these revivals is, the, is just intentional prayer. This understanding we need God's help and we, we don't know how to do it without him. Once we finally come to that point, we realize that we are never going to have an, enough understanding of religion or the Bible to do this. We need to just let God handle it. And we need to ask. We need to pray. We need to pray for our families. We need to have intentional prayer. We need to have groaning and travailing for God to help us. Uh, those are words that are, you know, I don't really, I've never experienced groaning and travailing, um, but I imagine there are some people here that have. So, prayer matters. When Charles Finney, Finley, or Finney, uh, the evangelist during the Second Great Awakening, he had a partner uh, with him. Almost nobody knew about him. His name was uh, Daniel Nash. So Father Nash would, would actually come into the towns and the cities ahead of Finney, and he would find like-minded people, and he would find you know, two or three of them that would actually care about prayer, that believed in prayer, that deep down in their heart, they knew that this God, that they knew, listened to them and heard them. So what, what they would do is they'd go ahead three, two or three weeks ahead of them and they'd start praying and fasting face down before the Lord. Crowds showed up and, and came to Jesus by the droves. They prepared the atmosphere. They asked the Holy Spirit to jump in and help way ahead of time, not in the hour of need. Uh, Jesus talked about um, uh, the epileptic boy um, who the, the disciples never could get him healed. They prayed and they prayed and they couldn't figure it out. So what did Jesus say? Jesus said, prayer and fasting, that's what you need. And fasting, not in that moment. Okay, here's a boy that uh, needs—he's having a seizure and he's going to, you know, fall into a, a pit or whatever he's going to do. That's not the moment that we pray. That's not the moment we fast. No, it's before the battle, way before this battle. That's what—that's what Father Nash did. Father Nash set the tone. Father Nash let us understand that. These brass heavens needed to be thinned out so that we could actually reach out to the Lord. And then let's go to the uh, Hebrides uh, revival. That's uh, Ireland, off or up in Scotland. 
That one started by two old women that just absolutely saw the church failing. All the young people were leaving. There was never anybody in there. The bars were filled. Everybody was just a mess. Kids were doing all kinds of things that were messed up. And and sounds kind of familiar, huh? Well, they prayed. They prayed every night. They committed themselves to prayer. Two little old ladies, powerful, powerful old ladies. They believed that God would show up, and he showed up mightily, and, drew, and everybody drew to the church. In the Wales Revival, if you talk about that, you have um, uh, a coal miner's son. His name's Evans, Evan Roberts. He didn't start this revival by some fancy words that he said in a sermon. No, it was heartfelt prayer. It was prayer that actually broke the ice in there too. Prayer that changed the whole area. So the, the whole area of the Wales Revival was pretty interesting. They closed down the bars. Nobody even wanted to go there. They had nobody that even cared about going and doing disrespectful things. The, they, it was a coal miner town, and it was probably a lot like the Wild West, I imagine. But uh, they had, uh, in the coal mines, they had animals that would haul out all the, uh, the coal and the wagons and stuff like that. And they had a really hard time. They had a really hard time talking to the animals now because they used to beat them. They used to swear at them and fall mouth. They would just absolutely brutalize these animals and whip them. And, and basically, that was the only way they could get these, these animals to move. Now they come in and they, they're like, come on, come on, sweetie, let's go. <laughs> I can just see the... Uh, the horse is looking at him like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> What's the trick here? Everything changed. Everything changed because of prayer. Prayer matters. Praying to God that acts is, is an act of our birthright. It's not something that we are, you know, told to do because it's a, a disciplinary act. This, this is our birthright to be able to speak to God, to join with him in a communion that is actually um, changes the world. That's what we need to do. So I guess um, what I'd like to say is we need to start digging in each and every one of us, praying for our children. Every one of us has family members that are way off the reservation, so to speak. And, you know, but they're not so far for God to reach. These children are, you know, maybe we've failed, maybe society's failed, it doesn't matter. God is victorious. I believe that's what you said today, huh? <laughs> In your song. This victory is, is already in our hands, but we need to use the right tool, the right weapon.
a weapon is actually with us at all times. So we need to dig in. And if we do, revival will come here too. I firmly believe that. I, I feel like every time that I talk about revival, I know that I'm going to see it. He's going to bring it. We can't. The only thing we can do is help him usher it in, be a partner, and enjoy every day that we have him in our presence. So I just wanted to pray for us real quick before I stop. Um, Holy Father, we are so blessed to be reunited with you. We are so glad that Jesus included us in that prayer, that he didn't just leave us out there to guess if we are loved by you, to guess if we are included in this, this wonderful family, that we are invited to this banquet that you've set forth for us. You've enjoyed having us learn our, our way back to you. And all, every step of the way, you're patting us on the back saying, that a boy, that a girl, I love you. Every step of the way, he's encouraging us to just talk to him. I'm so thankful that I'm a son. So thankful that I can pray for my family, that I can stand in the gap for even the ones that are far away. We thank you, Lord, that we can be that powerful, that powerful interference for the devil. And that we can call on you at all times, day or night, 24-7. You never take a break. And all you do is sit there waiting for us to call. We thank you that your hand moves when we open our mouth. We thank you that you love our church. You love our families. But most of all, you love our relationships. Help us to sturdy those relationships. Help us to bring power to our prayer and our words will come forth with truth of who you are at all times. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you, Lord. Amen.